Hey guys, it's your host, your boy, George Mackay. Today's episode was brought to you by our official sponsor, Ray Bernardo of Road Sport Chrysler. This man has been in the auto business for 25 years. Everyone that has gone to see him has saved money on every single car deal that he's made. But more than ever now, in these uncertain times, he's doing more than that. If you've got lease and financing options that are too high, give him a call. If you've got auto repairs that you just can't afford, give him a call. Ray's reaching out to give back, and he's doing that because of 25 years of experience. So be sure to give Ray and his team a call, 888-656-3013. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Road Sport, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. Don't overpay, buy from Ray. Now the official sponsor of Straight Talk Wrestling. What's going on, guys? Your host, your boy, George McKay, back in studio again today, and I got a good one. I got a man who loves himself as much as most wrestling fans should love him. If you don't know who I'm talking about, let me run down a couple of his accolades. He was the 2019 ROH Top Prospect winner. He was the man who now has become personified, known as the Mile High Magnum. Please help me welcome Dak Draper to Straight Talk Wrestling. You hear people clapping for me. I do. I, I hear it. I and everyone at home is is clapping. I know they are. I know. They yeah. Are. Like I feel like I can hear it off in the distance right now. <laughs> that well, that actually kind of brings my first question. So again, thank you for taking the time today, and welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling. But my first question is: is um, you're a man who, in a lot of your promos, you talk about you love the crowd, you love the energy, you love hearing people cheer for you. Yes. In the state of wrestling that we're in right now with COVID it's very hard to get that reaction. So how are you coping with not having crowds when you're performing? Well, I feel like I have to take a less is more approach where instead of listening to a lot of quiet voices from a lot of fans, like where you listen to just more fans, I listen a lot more to my biggest fan, which is me. So I set my own standards now. So I set my own goals and, uh, I, I watch my matches back, and if I'm happy with it, then uh, that it was a good match. If I'm not happy, I don't care what the internet says. I don't care what all these people are saying. As long as I'm getting attention, as long as they're talking about the Mile High Magnum, as long as they're tweeting or they're writing on their uh, websites uh, about Dak Draper, I don't care what they say. I just want the attention. That's true. That's true. Actually, in a promo that I watched that you shot for ROH, you mentioned from a very early age you – loved being the center of attention, much like your father. You said your dad was always the center of attention. Everywhere he went, people just gravitated towards him. And I guess that's something that you brought with you into pro wrestling, correct? Absolutely. And like sometimes it rubs people the wrong way when I'm, well, now we can't do it because of COVID. There's very strict procedures. But before I'd be back in the locker room telling stories, holding court. And uh, that rubs people the wrong way sometimes. But that's the guy that I am. I love when all eyes are on me, when everybody's laughing, everybody's having a good time, either a good time or they're just being emotional, whether they're happy or they're mad. I want that to be because of me. And I think that first happened for me when I was like four years old in little league baseball. Like I hit, I stroked a uh, ball off the tee and everybody went nuts and I didn't even care about scoring points. It was just felt really good for everybody to be like, Hey, Dak Draper, he's really, that's a strong little four-year-old. Absolutely. Six-year-old. I was like, hell yeah. I like that. I'm going to chase that feeling for the rest of my life. So it was that adrenaline shot from the first get-go, that first crack of the bat. You knew that you didn't care what you were doing. 
As long as people were cheering your name, that is all that mattered. Exactly. They could be cheering my name. They could be booing my name. As long as they're saying my name, I'm happy. Well, I got to tell you, I'm a big ROH fan. I love the product. I love the promotion. It's a promotion that doesn't get enough credit for all the things that they do. And they do a lot of things so well. I've had a lot of your fellow roster mates on the show. Uh, One most recently was Shane Taylor. I dropped his episode a few weeks ago. Uh, He is actually the former champion of the title that you are chasing right now, the TV championship. And the cool thing about this is, is that final battle is a week out. When this episode drops, it'll be one week away drops December 19th I believe it is right yes December 19th 18th thank you 18th so December 18th uh final battles happening and you've got a potential chance to be in two matches that night the first one is a fatal four-way with you uh Tony Deppen LSG and Josh Woods this is a fatal four-way for the number one contendership for the TV title now whoever wins that match and I mean I'm I'm putting all my chips in on you so don't you let me down okay I know I am I know I am. If I was a betting man and this was in Vegas, I'd be dropping serious coin on you. And I would expect a lot in return. Okay. I'm letting you know that. But if you win that match later on in final battle, later on down the card, you have a chance to go one-on-one with the current champion, Dragon Lee. Now, a lot of people who don't know the top prospect tournament and how it works, the winner of that tournament gets a shot at the TV title. And you had a shot with Dragon Lee when you won the top prospect tournament last year. The match did not go your way. Yeah, we, we were on the verge of a global pandemic, and it was our last show that had fans, and I almost hit him with my finisher, the Magnum KO, and I think it's really, really interesting that he has yet to set foot in America until final battle since I almost hit him with the Magnum KO. Like, he's dodging something. You know, he won't even step in the same country as me. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with the pandemic at all, though, right? Well, you can you can find an excuse anywhere, really. Like, people will do to tell themselves anything and if that's what he wants to tell himself that he's being safe because of the pandemic that's fine but i almost got dragon lee and i just keep getting better and better so this would be a great chance for me to get that attention that i love if i could start this historic that would be a historic type rise where if i could beat three other guys at my first final battle and then go on to face dragon lee and win the ring of honor world television championship like they should probably make a movie about that i would buy it I would pay for it. That's what I've got motivating me. Like, there's no greater attention that you can get than, like, a movie-style, like, redemption story. The last time I wrestled Dragon Lee, I, unfortunately, faced my first Ring of Honor loss. And so I feel like this would be such a great redemption story. I could see the Disney Channel picking it up. Like, who knows? But that's what's motivating me. Well, I, I think it is great motivation. But what intrigues me the most about this is the fact that, I mean... That match is going to be early on in the card. I want to say probably second or third match in the card. And as we get later in the card, Dra- Dragon Lee is going to be coming up for whoever wins. And again, my money's on you. But now the interesting concept here is, is what happens if ROH throws a curveball at you? As soon as the Fatal 4 ways over, what happens if Dragon Lee's music hits and you got to go back to back? There's no time for rest. How would that work for your game plan going into Final Battle? Well, I guess I would just be warm and fired up from having a match and Dragon Lee would have to come out there cold and wrestle a guy that's already all fired up and escalated. And man, that would really suck for Dragon Lee, I think, because, you know, I'd be I'd, I'd be going. You know, I'd be I when I win a match, I'm at my most dangerous. That's when my emotions are at an all time high. I think trying to throw a curveball like that to me would just play right into my game. 
that would be back to when you were four years old, cracking that ball off the tee. It's going for the fences, 100%. If it's on a tee, if it's a curveball getting thrown at me by a pitcher, if it's a curveball getting thrown at me by a wrestling company, I'm going to hit it as far as I can, and people are going to look like just like they did when I was four and say, wow, that Dak Draper, he sure is impressive. He sure is strong for a four-year-old. He just been dragging lean. <laughs> so a lot of people may not know your history. I myself pride myself on doing my research, and I have been a fan of you for some time. So when this was presented to me, and a shout out to uh, Mark, the publicity guy for uh, ROH, he's awesome. I don't want to pronounce his last name wrong because I, I feel like I will. So I'm not going to do that, but everybody knows who Mark is. If you don't know, Google him. He's a fantastic human being. Um, Mark. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. But so your history kind of goes like this. I mean, high school and college, you were a football star. You're also a wrestling star. You were a collegiate wrestler. I believe you were all American, if I'm not mistaken. I actually uh, lost the match that would have made me an all an all American by one point in the last ten seconds. And I don't know if you can tell that really sticks with me a little bit. I think it does. It's that little chip that's right there on your shoulder. But I feel as as you get more comfortable in the ring and you do more in the ring and you rack up more wins, that chip gets a little bit smaller. Okay, so I wasn't all American, but look at what I've done since then. Like to see how I just sliced through the top prospect tournament. Like I don't really think I got tested in the tournament. Um, yeah, the chip did get smaller. Well, I, I feel like you didn't get tested either. You literally did mow through the competition. Every win was convincing. There was no, ooh, ooh. He almost, almost lost that. It was a literal decimation of every opponent that you faced. And anybody who didn't see the tournament... Go back. You can watch it on Honor Club. If you don't have Honor Club, it's very affordable. Uh, go check it out. It's all on there. But also, YouTube is a wonderful tool. It does show highlights of each and every match. So you can definitely find that all on the ROH page on YouTube, which I recommend everyone to go and subscribe. I already do subscribe, so that's no that's no harm, no foul. There you go. There you go. So, um, uh, and the great thing about your history is, is that during your last collegiate wrestling match, you were offered a WWE tryout. Like literally the match hadn't even, the match finished. You probably didn't even get a chance to see your coach. Walked off the mat into Jerry. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. So it was wild. That's I've never heard that before, but that shows the potential that you had. Now the WWE tryout, you did also mention that same promo where we talked, where you talked about your dad so respectfully and lovingly. Um, you did also mention that um, when you were there for the two years that you were there, you didn't mm -hmm. feel like you were performing your best that you could have been. Yeah, absolutely. I felt like I wasn't wrestling for me. I felt like I was trying to please coaches. I felt like I was, wasn't wrestling. I wasn't learning to become a good wrestler. I was learning to become a good wrestling student where I got really good at the drills and I was in great shape and my fundamentals were great, but I just didn't know how to use all those skills where I didn't have much, I didn't know how to show my personality. I didn't know how to show off as well. And uh, I just needed to, to breathe and to be on my own. I needed to make my own money where I didn't just have that salary, that big co company salary coming in where I had to go. I had to do well in my bookings in order to get more bookings. I really had to bet on myself. And man, when the pressure was on, that was the best time for me because I set my own standards a lot like now when we don't have fans where I set my own standards and before I, if, if I didn't like what I saw, but the coaches liked it, that's what I listened to. Okay. They're right. Now, if I don't like what I see, I'm changing it because I'm in charge of my own destiny and it's, it's free. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the two years went by rather quick and 
you cut your teeth on the indies and like you said you you honed your craft you watched back tape you studied yourself and you said okay this works for me this doesn't work for me this fits into my repertoire this doesn't work for who i am so in somebody who a lot of people they cut their teeth in the indies and then they get the mainstream contract you on the other hand you were that again special candidate because you had the big time contract first and then you cut your teeth in the indies. If you had an option to go back to that day where the tryout was offered to you, would you second guess your original decision and maybe not take it and say, I want to cut my teeth indie first and prepare myself for what my eventual goal is, which is to get signed to a major organization. So I would say that I would still take the contract because something I pride myself on is I have quietly made more money in professional wrestling than people can imagine because I've always gone after the money and uh, I've always gone after the money when it works for me. And at that point I wasn't going to make money wrestling. I wasn't going to make money when I'm just learning how, when I'm just learning how to hit the ropes, just learning how to take bumps. Like I had money in the bank from wrestling before I ever set foot in a wrestling ring. And that's something that I can pride myself on. And I wouldn't trade that for, even if my career had somehow had, would somehow have gone better up to this point, I don't think I would trade it because I was just literally before we got on here, I was texting some of the guys that I was in uh, Tampa with. And it was like those memories where it's like, we were just, we were in over our heads, you know, these amateur wrestlers, amateur collegiate wrestlers who don't know, who don't know anything about pro wrestling etiquette. I was a pro wrestling fan, but uh, I didn't know anything about etiquette. I didn't know about shaking everybody's hands and stuff like that. And so we were just so young and dumb. And I think there was something kind of beautiful about that, how we were so in over our heads. And also the fundamentals that I learned, it was like the fundamentals and the hard work. It's like getting thrown into a boot camp where you're all of a sudden you're expected to, to be able to blend in and to do well with like, when you're in there, like I was in uh, Tampa with the shield and the, I, my, my first match there was I tagged with Trent versus the Wyatt family. Like it was like you you get thrown in with the sharks and there's something about that I th- I don't think I would have the uh, the chip on my shoulder nearly as strong if uh, I hadn't gone through that. I I would have to say I agree. I think that shaped you into who you are now and who you are now is a dangerous dude. And I say that with the utmost respect. I really do feel that you have a le- you have a legitimate shot to open a lot of people's eyes. My eyes are already open. I was all in. I actually watched that promo with my wife before I came down. And I, I, I love the arrogance. I love the cockiness. I love the confidence. And actually, I, I want to scratch arrogance. I want to apologize for that. It's not arrogance. It's not arrogance if you back it up. Yeah, there, exactly. Exactly. And that was my point, because you are more confident than you are arrogant. And what I feel you do in the ring is something fresh. You're a young cat. you got a great career ahead of you. But I want to pose this question. I'm a big guy, a big fan of what ifs. What if this had played out differently than this? So I already asked you about the NXT question. But what if Dragon Lee had not beaten Shane Taylor and you had a potential chance to go up against the baddest of all time, the CEO of Shane Taylor Promotions, probably next to you, the best promo guy right now in ROH. How would that game plan differ from Dragon Lee? Because you've already faced Dragon Lee. You've tasted Dragon Lee. You know what that's about. But Shane Taylor is a beast of a different kind. So I was so confident that I would be facing Shane, who actually was defeated for the title at last year's final battle by Dragon Lee. Great match, by the way. Great fucking match. Yep. 
Absolutely, it was. I was, uh, when I faced Dragon Lee, I was heavy, way heavier than I am now. At the time when Shane lost that title, I probably weighed about 260 pounds when my wrestling weight is closer to 245 because I was gaining weight to be able to match Shane's weight. Like I, I knew I wasn't going to get up there all the way, but I wanted to close that gap. And so I was even upping my weight because I wanted to be able to close the gap, the size difference with Shane, the power difference, distance, or to close that power distance with Shane because Shane's who I was preparing for. I was completely surprised by Dragon Lee. I had two months to prepare, but I had been, I won the uh, top prospect tournament in September. I've been preparing for Shane since September. I've been preparing for Shane since I got asked to be in the top prospect tournament. And so Shane's who my eyes were on. I'm confident with anybody that I go in there with. I'm not going to divulge what my game plan was for Shane, but when Shane and I do face each other eventually, because I plan on being around ring of honor for a long time. And I know he does too. My game plan is going to pay off. I love it. I'm already, I'm already so intrigued that I want to say, can I pre-order that pay-per-view now for when it ever happens? Like, yeah, can I, yeah. Can I pre-order like three, like two years from now, one year? Can I do something like that? I got to get ahead. I got to get a hold of somebody at ROH and say, listen, just book me in for all of these. <laughs> Those guys. It's so interesting because he, uh, he's a big guy but he's, he's got those hands where he can end the match and he's not going to just wear you down with his size. A lot of big guys, they just, their main, their main strength is being big. And that's not Shane. Shane can end the match like a lightning strike. And so it's, I almost look at it like when I was in amateur wrestling growing up, like a guy who could throw, throw a headlock where it's like, you can, you can score 14 points on a guy. If he can grab you by the head and take you over and pin you in the last 10 seconds, like those 14 points you spent the previous six minutes and 50 seconds scoring they don't matter anymore and shane's that kind of guy like you could you eat say shane gets hurt on the way to the ring and somebody whips his ass the whole match if in that last second he it lightning strikes and he uh he knocks him out doesn't matter he's still getting his hand raised so i've got uh i've got some ideas for shane perfect well i look forward to whenever that match happens because anybody that's watching this they when you said that you've got a game plan for shane my eyes twinkle Christmas is around the corner. You kind of just gave me a little something. So I want to say that I, I'm definitely intrigued for when that match happens. But that's going to be hard for me, Dak, because I, I respect Shane and I respect you. It's going to be hard for me because either way, a part of me loses, but a part of me wins in that let's match. Look, let's look at the winning part and just know the winning side is usually the Draper side. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So I've got I've to ask this because I've never actually had an ability to ask this because I've never actually had somebody preparing for a fatal four-way. A fatal four-way is a special kind of match. It's almost, I put it up there as almost like a ladder match because it, it, even though there's no weapons involved, it can, uh, one thing, one split decision that doesn't go in your favor, you have three wolves ready to pounce on you. And the three men you're going to be in the ring with, LSG, I love his speed. Josh Woods, his power is underwhelming. And uh, Tony Devon, you give him some room, and man, can he fly. So there's a lot, of, a lot of things that each of them has, but I feel like, and I'm not kissing your ass, I don't kiss anybody's ass on my show, but I feel like you have all that in the package. I feel like you are the dark horse in this match, not in an underwhelming kind of way, but in an overwhelming kind of way, because depending on which of those guys messes up and has that split decision go the wrong way, you will be the first to pounce and react because you've already thought 
seven moves ahead. I look at it as in a four-way, you got to keep your head on a swivel. And I believe that so much that uh, in the last month, is in the last month, I've been doing rehab on my neck so that my neck is more flexible. I've been doing neck yoga so that I can literally keep my head on more of a swivel because if I can see this many degrees further, I can see Tony Deppin flying out of nowhere. I can see, I can turn around that much faster to see what LSG is coming off the ropes with. It's, uh, I think it's all, it's all about being prepared, but it's all about naturally, just naturally having that fighter's instinct. And I think that's something that I possess and Josh Woods possesses too from our collegiate backgrounds. Josh is a national champion, but he was never in Dak Draper's weight. So, uh, <laughs> that's true that's true he was not in the same weight class also when i uh, missed out on being an all-american i never think i've lost a uh, an amateur wrestling match to someone that i couldn't beat if i could throw a right hand <laughs> that's a thought that's a fair point too you're filled with all kinds of philosophical wisdom you're like the uh the gandhi of pro wrestling oh i'd say yeah like maybe like gandhi mixed with uh maybe a little bit of like uh Ooh, uh, I don't want to say Lady Gaga, but she's very artistic and uh, she is tall like me. Let's just go with Gandhi, the Gandhi of Ring of Honor. I am also, I consider myself the most presidential looking member of the roster. You you could have political aspirations in your future, much like AEW's Cody Rhodes. I could see that. You could be, you could run for a senator. It could happen. Was elected class president of my senior class and then was impeached. (laughs) Because I made all kinds of wild promises and they were, they even said that the administration was like, yeah, none of this is going to happen. And everyone still voted for me and I was elected and was promptly impeached about a week later. And yeah, it was, politics might not be for me. I, I accomplished all I needed to in the political arena. I hung up my tie for the day and uh, yeah. hung up the posters for good in the garage. Yeah. Anytime impeachment goes hand in hand with a, with a president. Well, we're not going to go there. We'll leave politics off the table. <laughs> Um, but in, in an, another aspect of the fatal formula that's interesting for me is there's always short-term alliances. There's always someone that you're willing to work with for a little bit to get yourself ahead. Now, not to give anything away because I don't want to, I don't want to do any of that, but is there one person that you could see yourself aligning in that match for a short-term for a long-term gain for yourself? So I feel like making alliances and matches like that is more like a slimy little guy move. So I'm going to be looking out for LSG and Deppin to do that. I, I don't expect it much from Woods. Woods doesn't seem like he plays well with others unless there's Silas Young yelling at him. <laughs> but I think I'm not looking to make any kinds of alliances, any kind of alliances, because how bad am I going to feel if I have to go home and sit in quarantine because I trusted Josh Woods or I trusted LSG or I trusted Tony Deppin? to have my back. So no, I, I will say it here. You will not see me making a single alliance. And if anybody suggests that to me, I'm kicking their ass right out of the ring off the island. Right. I, I could see that middle of the ring, you know, two guys down on the floor and then the guy walks in and goes, hey, listen, Graver, you, you, us together. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Survivor? Come on. <laughs> uh, Survivor is an underrated TV show. It's a classic. It really is. You know, uh, this uh, this quarantine, I've been watching a lot of trash reality TV, a lot of like love stuff, and it's uh, it's given me a good lesson on interpersonal interpersonal communications. 
You know what? It's funny you mentioned trash reality TV because Shane Taylor and I, we were discussing that as well. And I told him that my, my wife's the love of my life, the mother of my two beautiful daughters, she uh, makes me watch a lot of uh, Jersey Shore. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, we also watch uh, Kitchen Nightmares, Little House Kitchen. And that got Shane interested because Shane was like, I'm all about Cutthroat Kitchen. And I was like, oh my God, did we just become best friends? Cutthroat Kitchen is hands down the best trash TV show on the fucking planet. Really? Cutthroat Kitchen? Cutthroat Kitchen. If you have not checked it out, check out Cutthroat Kitchen. It's literally one of the most tweaked out, fucked up shows that there is because nobody is safe on that show. Hence the title, Cutthroat Kitchen. Oh, that's great. Yes, I will check that out. Thank you for the recommendation. Don't thank me. Thank the baddest of all time, Shane Taylor. (laughs) I will. Maybe I won't. Yeah, that's all right. All right. I'll take the credit then. I'll take the credit. (laughs) So um, I'm interested in in this next question because this is something that I I kind of feel like you would pose the best answer for it. Um, If you beat Dragon Lee on, you know, Final Battle and you start 2021 as the TV champion. Now, Dragon Lee, his reign was longer than Shane's. But there's an asterisk there, or there should be because of the pandemic. Not able to defend it every month or every couple of weeks. So it's hard to really consider this a fair reign, considering how many times Shane had to defend it over Dragon Lee. I would definitely look at defenses over time, yeah. Exactly, as do I as well. So I feel that Dragon Lee's reign is not as long or impressive as people would like to think. Because it'll be a year. But really, it's a year with three titles. Impressive reign because he did defend it against Dak Draper. So that does make it wildly more impressive. It does. But it also was Dak Draper who wasn't prepared for Dragon Lee. Your game plan was for Shane Taylor. So you had to do that match on the fly. And it's actually interesting that you you stated that because now I want to go back and rewatch that match. And I want to see exactly what you're talking about because you were preparing for 300 plus pounds, not 190. Yep. Not a luchador. You're preparing mm-hmm. for a ground and pound type of fight. Not a high flyer, not a rope guy. First move around. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you could see that. Now, I, I, my favorite part of that match with Dragon Lee, though, was when at the beginning you were kind of petted him and you were like, look, see the height difference here? I, I, I love in pro wrestling, I think it's an underrated skill is the psychology in the ring. Everyone talks about it. Everyone mentions it, who the great psychological wrestlers of our time are. You've got Ric Flair. You've got Arn Anderson for sure up there. You've got a guy like Sting. You've got a guy like um, Triple H is one of the best of all time, the Cerebral Assassin. These guys are all great psychology wrestlers. But I feel like your psychology in that match was not mentioned. And not giving kudos enough because when you start, people will look at it as an insult, but it's not an insult. It's just saying, listen, you're little, I'm bigger. The you're natural little. order of things. Yeah, the natural order of things is that I, on paper, I already have you in the wind. I have you in a loss column. I have you. And I learned that. I learned just those little pre-match, little pre-match things that you can do to kind of throw people off their game. When I was a freshman in high school, I wrestled this kid. He was a senior. He was ranked number one in the state. And when you shake hands before a match, you reach out like this. I reach my hand out. He puts this up like that. Oh, fuck. What the high five. Oh. What the 
the fuck? I'm 14 years old. Oh my God. This kid, this guy is 18. He looks like a grown man. He's got stubble. I'm like this looking like, looking like an idiot. He's, he's like that. So of course I go to high five him. He goes for the handshake. <laughs> he pinned me in 20 seconds. Ah. That's the quickest I've ever gotten pinned in an amateur wrestling match. And that is stuck with me because I feel like he crossed my wires in my brain so much, but I learned from it and I use it now. So when I did that, when I did that to Dragon Lee, maybe it didn't have an effect on him, but maybe when he's running in for something, he's thinking about, oh, well, I'm small and Dak's big. Like maybe this won't hurt him as bad. You know, if you can just throw a little bit of doubt in somebody's mind. It's gonna, it's gonna usually uh, grow some. Uh, those seeds of doubt will grow uh, good crops for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, when you go into a match like this, this is in your career thus far. This is the pinnacle right now. This is a chance to reclaim. Yeah, absolutely. It's a chance to reclaim what you had a chance to claim a year ago, but it didn't go successfully well. I really enjoyed being the number one contender for the Ring of Honor Television Title, and I would like to get back to that, and then the same night go beyond that. Exactly. And do you feel like um, dad and mom will be there with you the whole time, even though they're not there, there, will they be there with you? You know what I mean? You know, my dad will be. So my dad uh, passed away uh, in 2016 and he was a huge supporter of me. He was in even, he loved when I was, uh, he loved when I was in NXT, but I feel like he was even more proud of me when I wasn't in NXT, when it was this, this labor of love when I was struggling, when I didn't have uh, when I just, when I didn't have that financial uh, backing anymore of a, of a big wrestling contract to fall back on. And he could see how much better I was getting. And I really feel like before my career ticked back up, he passed away. So he watched me struggle. He saw me get to the bottom. And before I got back up to the top, he passed away. But I feel like in a way he would choose that because he was there for me when I needed it most. And I feel like he's, literally always with me when I wrestle. Like before I go out, I always think about him. I've even got, I can see it from here. I've got a necklace with his ashes in it. Uh, I feel my dad so much when I wrestle. When I was a kid, he used to always tell me, uh, be tough and Drapers win. And that's always stuck with me. Be tough. Because I do something. If I complain about something, I'd say, oh, in a match, oh, the ref screwed me. Be tough. It's like, have thick skin. Find a way around it. You know, find, find a way to make it happen. And uh, so, yeah, he's always with me. Like if I'm, if I'm in a submission and I'm thinking about tapping out, I'll hear be, I guarantee I will hear be tough in my head. And that's going to give me that extra juice. So my dad is always with me. Yeah. I can and see it. A wonderful feisty lady. And I should throw that in there in case she sees this and uh, gets all. <laughs> well, I'm sure mama Draper, mama Draper is going to be cheering on her baby boy for sure. Oh, Mama Draper, uh, I've got a video on my YouTube channel where uh, she had me, she was driving a golf cart, had me running laps like three. <laughs> he is an ass kicker. I can see that. I can see that. I can see if you're, if you're ready to submit, I can see, you know, you hear your dad saying be tough, but all of a sudden you look up and when you're looking for the ropes, you see your mom. Don't you do it. Don't <laughs> you do it. If you, I, you better, you better clutch that fist. If you slap, I swear to God, I swear yep. to God. <laughs> she's five foot four and uh she might as well be six foot ten because she is uh she is an ass kicker uh you know she's seasoned from all the times that she had to go down to the school and do battle with the principal over some shit that i got in trouble for growing up so she's battled sounds like your mom and my mom were 
you know, kindred spirits. I was in the principal's office every other fucking day. They could probably write a book on calls they get at work about stupid shit their sons did. <laughs> yep, 100%. Dude. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Another, another great point as to why you are fantastic. Uh, two more questions that I'm going to let you go enjoy your evening. But okay. looking, looking beyond this and beyond Final Battle, because again, I'm a big fan of the what ifs. Um, if you had the opportunity to say, pick your first title defense out the gate, I'm not sure if you know you want to get the rematch with Dragon Lee right out of the way. But if you do, great. But if you could, if you could, if, if literally ROH management came up to you and said, Dak, you know what? Who do you want to step in the ring with? Who do you want to put a show on for the fans to retain that first title defense? Who's in your mind as your potential opponent? As my potential opponent, I'd say Mark Haskins. We haven't seen Mark Haskins since the pandemic started. And yeah, it's been a while. I really, really, I think he, the way that he grapples, the way that he gets into stuff, he's a little edgy. I feel like he's one of those guys where he's going to beat you up and you're going to beat him up. You're going to come out of that match with more scars than when you came in and, uh, I feel like there's something fun about that. When I watch him wrestle, I can see like his his energy and his passion. And uh, yeah, Haskins. I love it. I, so, Slex would also Slex would be a close second. Oh, either one for me. Either one is a dynamite. That's a ten. That's a ten star match. And I coined the ten star before fucking Dave Metzler. And I will put that stamp on the ground. You did your diligence? Yes, I did. I coined the ten star before he ever did. That's right. I think for me and Slex, it would be like just for the poster alone. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, and you got you'd have to you couldn't do a small size poster. You'd have oh. to do the full wall. The We're full. talking like drops. Like I'm talking uh, on Baltimore City Hall, they could drop those those long posters like in uh, in Ghostbusters when they drop like the big uh, tapestry of uh, the bad yes. guy. Yes, yeah. Drago. You Drago. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's funny. I own one of those. Well, I did. Uh, for a company that is now defunct. And so I took it when the company became defunct. I took the giant poster with me of me and I hung it up in my sister's garage. So she didn't even expect it. I came to visit her. She lives in Fort Collins, Colorado. And I left and she texted me because she went to go to work and there's just, you know, an eight foot tall me in her garage. And it's eight feet of me from like right, like right below where my trunks end to the top of my head. So it's how I would look at, you know, 12 feet, 12 feet tall. It's good. And she, she loved it. eh? That's, that's, how, that's, how, that's how a true brother shows the shows that he loves his sister by giving her a giant picture of himself. Yeah, absolutely. And did she, does she still have it in her garage to this day? It's still there. <laughs> that's great. You can't, you can't get it out of there. Where's she going to put it? That's right. Even if she were to cut it in sections and throw it out every couple of weeks in the garbage. Oh my God, then she wouldn't have a brother anymore. She wouldn't, no. Okay, yeah, make sure she doesn't watch this interview because I don't want to be blamed for giving her the idea. <laughs> I think she has wrestling enough. <laughs> All right, perfect. And See, I, I, I was the center of attention our whole our whole lives. And okay. so uh, she had to play second fiddle. And so, yeah, that's... Uh, imagine growing up with me as your sibling. It's not fun. No, but now I'd have something to brag about. I'd be like, hey, listen, you guys want to go to ROH? Oh, you can't. You want to go for the seats? Oh, you can't, but I can't. I got an insider. <laughs> that's what I would do. I would 100 head. That's pretty good. That's that's pretty good. I don't know if she's. I don't know if that's quite a per alley. 
Well, then if you ever want to slide those tickets my way, when ROH ever comes back to Toronto, I'm your boy, man. I'll take those tickets in a heartbeat. I think we can work something out. Perfect. And my final question, because I feel like you would actually give the strongest answer on this before I let you go. And also, before I let you go, I want to officially let you know now you are a member of the Straight Talk family. You have my Zoom. I have yours. Anytime you want to come back, it would be an absolute honor to have you back on the show. Love it. Thanks. Proud to be a member. Thank you. Thank you. And my final question is um, the fact that your career, you went from the big contract to cutting your teeth on the indies. If there's a young fan out there watching this, boy or girl doesn't matter. And they just love the business so much like you and I. What would be the personified advice from the mile high magnum to that fan? If they want to come to you and they want to five minutes with you and say, Dad, I want to get into this business. What would be your advice to that fan? Constantly push yourself out of your comfort zone. I, uh, I've lived in six cities in the last eight years. And I think that has helped me to improve so much because I've never been comfortable. When I was in my tail end of my time in Florida in, in NXT, I was comfortable there and I needed a change. So I moved. So I went to Colorado. I got comfortable in Colorado. I went to Kansas city. I kept, I kept moving. So once I got, once I, once I became known in one area, I went to a new area where nobody knew me. When I moved to Maryland, no one knew me. And so I had to win over the fans. I had to prove myself. I had to, even getting bookings was a struggle. And I feel like putting yourself through that over and over just makes you bulletproof. And also you don't get points just for showing up, Like you have to show up and you have to perform. You have to hit it out of the park. You see so many guys that talk about like, Oh, well I moved here for this opportunity. And then that's it. It's like, yeah. Okay, cool. You live close. Awesome. That's great. But you have to keep going. You have to stay hungry. And uh, the third thing is always be coachable. I think one of my biggest strengths is that I've remained coachable. Like I, I didn't just move to Baltimore and then decide like, Oh yeah, I just want to find my indie bookings. I found a, I found a place to keep myself sharp. I started going to the ring of honor dojo to keep myself sharp, even though I thought I was past being in a dojo system. I thought my skills were above being in a dojo system. And it made me so much better as a wrestler because for being a guy that's, that's arrogant, that's confident, I can humble myself when I know that it's going to help me later. And I think that has really turned around and helped me so much because then you're ever evolving because people talk about my story, about how I've moved so much, how I've faced adversity, how I've, uh, how I'll have opportunities. And then like something will happen and they'll disappear. And they're like, Oh, this is a good story. But at the, at the high, at like this level, everybody has a story like that. And so I think the big thing is like, there's more to it than showing up, push yourself out of your comfort zone, move a lot. Fantastic advice. I, I couldn't think of a better way to end this interview. Dak Draper, you go prepare. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we are one week away when this interview drops. One week away from seeing Dak Draper possibly two matches at Final Battle 2020. Check it out on it Ring of Honor. Check it out on Pay-Per-View. Check it out. Support this great brand. ROH is a brand that has been steady and consistent and I feel like doesn't get enough credit that it deserves. So from all of my Straight Talk faithful, to you, sir, good luck on Saturday. Thank you. Get used to seeing a whole lot of Dak Draper. I'm already there, man. Can you, for one, for one time only, you got to do this for me. This will be a Straight Talk exclusive. You got to say the Mile High Magnum. You got to do it for me, just one time. Oh, you want me to talk about, you want me to say about how I'm the 2019 Ring of Honor top prospect, the Denver Don one, the Colorado Casanova, the Mile High Magnum.
absolutely love it. And that's how we do. This is another one in the can. Guys, thank you so much. Oh, wait, before we go, if anybody's stupid enough not to be following you, where can they find you on the wonderful world of social media? So all my social media is uh, at Mile High Magnum, all one word. And by all of my social media, I mean Twitter and Instagram. I might have a Facebook fan page that I've abandoned at some point. Don't go, to, don't go find me on Facebook. Uh, Instagram and Twitter are both at Mile High Magnum, all one word. Also, my YouTube channel is Mile High Magnum, all one word. And uh, you can see tons of videos of me. I used to have a show called The Magnum Minute. Yeah, I love that. I love that show. Like 90 episodes. It's, or maybe not 90, but I have a lot of episodes of just, a lot of it was when I lived in Kansas City of me doing crazy things around Kansas City. So I I recommend it. I, I need to make the Magnum Minute movie someday. We'll see. Absolutely. And I went to film school, so I could direct it for you for pretty, pretty affordable. Pretty affordable. That, okay. That could be big for me. That for both be. of us. For both of us. That's right. And because I'm a glutton for self-promotion, you can find me on the wonderful world of social media at underscore straight talk on Twitter at straight talk wrestling on Instagram. And I do have a Facebook page and it is active. It's also straight talk wrestling. So, <laughs> well, Mr. Draper, you go finish preparing, you go get ready. And just remember that your boy, your host will be screaming his head off for you come Saturday. Love it. Thanks for the support. Thanks for having me on. I'm going to go put on another layer of tanner. <laughs> All right. Take care. Hey, guys. It's your host, your boy, George McKay. Today's episode was brought to you by our official sponsor, Ray Bernardo of Road Sport Chrysler. This man has been in the auto business for 25 years. Everyone that has gone to see him has saved money on every single car deal that he's made. But more than ever now, in these uncertain times, he's doing more than that. If you've got lease and financing options that are too high, give him a call. If you've got auto repairs that you just can't afford, give him a call. Ray's reaching out to give back, and he's doing that because of 25 years of experience. So be sure to give Ray and his team a call, 888-656-3013. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Road Sport, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. Don't overpay. Buy from Ray. Now the official sponsor of Straight Talk Wrestling. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Thank you.